Welcome to The Ringer Podcast Network. It's Liz Kelly. This week, we launched a new show on the network called The Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Coming from the guys who brought you the Fantasy Football Podcast, Danny Heifetz, Danny Kelly, and Craig Horlbeck will guide you through the fantasy football season, providing analysis on big picture conversations like weekly matchups, trades, and daily fantasy. The show will run every Monday and Wednesday throughout the rest of the summer, and we'll be helping you through the regular season as well. So follow and listen to the first episode of the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast out now for free on Spotify. Welcome to the 14th episode of Baseball Barbecue. I am Jake Mintz. That is Jordan Schusterman. I am recording this from my closet under a pile of suits. Jordan, how are you? I am not. I'm sitting in the same seat that I have uh, for the last uh, many episodes, but it's okay. Uh, we can both do this podcast equally well, yeah. even if you're under a bunch of suits. Uh, welcome to this episode of Baseball Barbecue. We have a lot to talk about. The Marlins at this point on Monday morning, as we record this, uh, are reportedly experiencing a pretty severe COVID-19 outbreak within their team. And we thought that there'd be no one better to talk to about that than Craig Mish, uh, who is a reporter based down in Miami, who's been an excellent, done an excellent job covering the Marlins over the last few years. Uh, we had a conversation with Craig uh, that you're going to hear here in a few minutes, but we just wanted to set up um, exactly what's been happening with the Marlins over the last few days before we get into that conversation with Craig. And after that interview, we are going to talk about some of the things from the opening weekend in baseball. We're going to share our thoughts about just, you know, what is it like to watch and at times enjoy the baseball during a pandemic when you know that it probably shouldn't be happening. Um, but just to set the timeline for the Marlins, on Friday, I believe, a one player was put on the COVID-19 IL list, which is just injured list list. Uh, and that happened. And then on Saturday, there were four players who tested positive, I believe. And those players did not play on Sunday. And then we woke up today, uh, being Monday morning and there were just a slew, I believe now 11 of the 30 players on the Marlins have tested positive. It is all very up in the air right now. Things could change by the minute. Uh, but for now let's send it to our interview with Craig Mish. Uh, a, just like there are very few people in this sport who know specific teams more in depth than Craig knows the Marlins. So let's send it to him and to past me, but for you, future me, that's confusing. All right. We are now going to welcome in Mr. Craig Mish, one of the most valuable resources when it comes to covering the Miami Marlins at the center of the sports world right now. Craig, welcome to Baseball Barbecue. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you? Uh, so, Craig, you as know. we talk... Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're okay. I'm, we're, I'm okay. We're, we're not we're, good. We are not, not good here. <laughs> not good, Bob. We are not, not good. good. Uh, Craig, uh, as much as we've appreciated your reporting uh, over, you know, over the last few years, your tweets over the last few hours have been troubling to say the least. Um, not because of anything you've done wrong, but because of what is happening in baseball right now. So let's run through the timeline uh, as we stand right here, 11:30 a.m. on July 27th. What has happened over the last 12 hours with the Miami Marlins? Well, a lot has happened. Um, 
I don't know how far going. Yeah, they won. They're in first place. I mean, are we sure that we don't want to cancel the season right now and play the postseason? I'm just saying. Look, they, they've had a dozen players and staff test positive for this virus. They are not sure how it happened. They felt like they followed all their protocols. They potentially went on planes with positive tested players who didn't know. They've been around them uh, in Atlanta and potentially in Philadelphia not knowing. So to, to sort of trace this all back is something that MLB is going to have to do, and I really don't know. I, I don't have the answer to that. But as we speak right now, the Marlins are planning on continuing a season as of right now. They are going to have to somehow figure out how to play their next game, which my guess, guess is in Baltimore in two days because I don't think that they're going to play tomorrow at home. I, I even though the Orioles are here, they're not. Uh, unless they take their entire camp from Jupiter to play in Miami, and, and I think that that's pretty unfair. So my guess is that's next, and they may be buffs from Philadelphia to Baltimore to play two more games with half their squad intact and half from their Jupiter camp and maybe some free agents who didn't get the call, who are willing to take this chance. And, and there's a shot that the season does continue all around the league, I'm told. But again, I want to really caution that this could all end in a second, just like we saw back in March. So one of the more notable points of this whole thing is that there were a number of Marlins, a smaller number, who had tested positive prior to the game on Sunday. Yes. So I guess my question is, as far as you know, whose decision... Who in whom's whom's in whose hands was it to make the call to play or not play yesterday afternoon? That's that's a really fair question. And we were on our Zoom call yesterday with Don Mattingly, who's the manager of the Marlins, who said that he wanted to play. He also said that in polling the Marlins leadership, the players, that they wanted to play. And Miguel Rojas, who is their team leader. Um, was the one that, you know, as part of their team leadership, said that they wanted to play as well. Beyond that, I don't know if or how MLB stepped in. I feel like Don Mattingly is very forthcoming in his interviews. I feel like in that interview, there was a little discomfort in not knowing for sure the clear answer on that. So I don't have one either. But in the handbook, it does say that MLB can step in when there is an outbreak. And I certainly did get texts from people, you know, not, not on the Marlins. I want to make that clear, but around the game in the family saying, Hey, like, what are they doing? So that's a question I think that will have to be answered again. And I think, but that's an MLB question. I think, I think MLB is going to have to stand up and say, Hey, here was the plan. And here's why we decided, uh, because looking back on it now, it is very easy to look back on it now. There's no way. I mean, th that caused a postponement tonight, right? I mean, it caused a postponement between Philadelphia and New York tonight. So, um, you know, a, a question for MLB, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I think from where we sit now a day later, and honestly, from in the moment, like they, they probably made the wrong decision. But then there's a the conversation of like, it shouldn't be up to Don Mattingly and Miguel Rojas to make decisions about anything medical related, right? They're baseball people. They're not, you know epidemiologists yeah. in, in the slightest.
Yeah, and and I think that um, you know, I think I think the Marlins at eleven thirty would like some clarity right, right. now, like yeah. on like what what their what their plan is. Like if if I am them, I'm sort of thinking to myself here right now. So we're just going to get beat down around the league and punished, and have to field a minor league team for the rest of the year. Is that sort of the plan here? Like and and we have to call up all our top prospects and. And that's it. Like that's that's the plan. Because because honestly, as of right now, I don't think they know. I, I believe they have a statement coming out though very soon. Uh, you mentioned right, like MLB could step in, and now they have officially postponed tonight's game as right. well as the Yankees Phillies game because the Yankees are heading to Philadelphia where the Marlins just were. I'm curious. Before all this, I think another thing around the conversation about the Marlins going into the season is knowing that Florida has been a hot spot for this virus in the last month or so. Um, do you get a sense that the Marlins have taken any extraordinary extra precautions coming into the season because they have been at the center of this? Um, I mean, again, this is I'm not trying to put any of this on the Marlins, of course, but sure, do you get the no. sense that they've gone farther uh, because they're in a hot spot too? Yeah, and, and, I, and I have to answer this really honestly because as soon as this went down, um, you know, before the weekend, I guess Friday, I spent, and as part of my job, I, I asked a lot of people, hey, did you feel comfortable? Was anything shady? Was something going on? Did they do something wrong? Where where did this? And I, I can't. And and I would get that sort of information. It's what I do. And I would bring it here or I'd bring it to social media. I did not get any of that. They all felt comfortable and they felt like they were doing the right thing. Uh, Mattingly himself has said that it's the only place basically that he has felt comfortable uh, is at the ballpark. But for some color on my end, when the Marlins opened up their summer camp 2.0, I went to the first day and there is a line of cars for miles at Marlins Park right outside. You have to walk through these cars that are all being tested for COVID-19 to get into the park. And it shook me and I did not go back. I did not go back after. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that maybe I would have went back the second day and thought, oh, wow, like this is totally okay. They're just in their cars. But seeing medical officials banging on windows, put your window down and seeing, hey, uh, we're, we're out of time for the day, you know, that sort of thing. It just, it didn't, it, it felt off to me. That said, I applied and was approved and would have been at the next, at tonight's Marlins game and tomorrow. I plan on, I'm planning on going to all the regular season games. But I don't think that anybody really fully understands the nature of, of covering baseball. And maybe it's different in other cities where you don't have lines of miles of COVID cards, but it hits you, you know, it hits you that I am living in a spot that basically has as many or more people uh, suffering from this than anywhere else in the country. Right. The options now, there seem to be three or four. We could see the season, the entire season for all the teams canceled. We could see MLB basically say, sucks to suck Marlins, sorry, and do what MLS decided to do and continue their season with fewer teams. The Marlins could keep playing and employ uh, guys who are currently not on the Marlins, or we could just kind of roll through it and completely ignore it and keep going. Of those... One, am I missing any potential outcomes? And two, of those, <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably, yeah, like it's 2020. What the hell do we know? Of those outcomes, like where do you think is the most likely? Does it fall in between one or two of those? I think baseball is going to try. I think the Marlins will be asked to try. I don't know 
uh, I believe that some things will need to be adjusted. And unfortunately, this is sort of the business of baseball. But you guys know this because you do a really good job on uh, on covering the kids, you know. And are the Marlins being asked? And I know this is you know not the question for these times, but are they being asked to start the clock on every single prospect they have right now for the rest of the year? Is that what baseball is asking them to do? To call up Sixto Sanchez, Edward Cabrera, JJ Blade, uh, Jesus Sanchez, Monte? Is that is that the deal? Because if it's if it is the deal, if I am the Marlins, I'm thinking, no, uh, we'll just sign a bunch of free agents and take our lumps and get our mulligan for the year. Uh, because so even think- service time conversations aside, if you're looking at it solely from, you know, like development, there are a number of prospects in the Marlins system who are just not, they're not ready, right? They're the not whole, ready. The whole to play camp the is not ready. Their whole right. camp is not ready. They, they brought in, and, and, and again, now it, it's, it's interesting to me. They brought in a few days ago, uh, Travis Snyder. They brought in Travis Snyder, who hasn't had a big league at bat in years. And I don't think he's ready to play right now for the Marlins. He's going to have to. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of kind of where we are. And as Jake lays it out, it is going to be uh, several different options. It's going to be some combination of those things, um, but we will see. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for the time. Where can people follow you, listen to you? Because we know you're going to be a very important source uh, over these next few days uh, as this Marlins situation develops. Oh, yeah, sure. On Twitter, uh, at Craig Mish. And I do a daily show on uh, sportsgrid.com from noon to 2 Eastern. And uh, certainly I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks again. All right, thank you to Craig Mish for joining us and updating us on the latest uh, of this rapidly evolving Marlin situation. Um, Craig tweeted, uh, I think right before he came on with us, that he was reporting that some of the bigger names in the Marlins tested positive. Again, all of this is going to change very quickly. But uh, now we should also mention this wasn't the only pretty significant COVID-related news that we got uh, since the season started. Before the season even started, who should be probably the face of baseball for the next 15 years, Juan Soto, World Series hero, tested positive and was scratched from the opening day lineup. So that immediately set a tone immediately. for oh, what we were going to be dealing with. I was on the phone with uh, a friend from D.C., a diehard Nats fan, who around, I want to say, 1 p.m. that day said, hey, what happens if like a random national tests positive this afternoon? And I said, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Two hours later, boom, Juan Soto tested positive. Now, I would say worst case scenario, all things considered, in the day, in the hours leading up to opening day, right? Pretty much. It, like a guy who had quarantined for two weeks entering DC after being in, in Dominican Republic, who seemed to be taking all those necessary precautionary measures testing positive right beforehand. And in that moment, we were kind of presented with the first real test. Would Major League Baseball postpone the game, cancel the game, or play the game? And they chose to play the game. We don't know if anyone else on either of those teams, it doesn't seem like there are any other positive tests right now on either of those teams. There is some speculation amongst people um, that Soto's test may have been even been a false positive. However, the point remains is that hours before first pitch, there was a positive test on one of these teams and they rolled right through and played the game, which ended up getting canceled after five innings anyway. 
Now, we all, so we saw that, and that was already uncomfortable. And now as we deal with this Marlins situation, we've seen the Marlins and Orioles game be postponed, Yankees, Phillies postponed. So clearly at this point, there is a level to where they are going to cancel games, um, postpone games, whatever. But we saw that on opening day. So that already set an ominous tone. Uh, in addition to the gigantic thunderstorm that came down on the uh, Nationals-Yankees game, which also included an unbelievable image. Hashtag of, Manfred Lightning. Of some, some cataclysmic lightning in the background as uh, Commissioner Manfred was being interviewed on the telecast. Just the most uh, symbolic and unsettling Zeus, thing I've seen in a long time. Zeus says cancel the season. I'm hearing oh. from Zeus... Yes, Zeus says no baseball. Thursday, we pressed on. The rest of that game was postponed. The Dodgers and Giants played a baseball game. Friday, opening day came, and we watched a whole lot of baseball. Uh, our hero, Yoannis Cespedes, hit a home run to help the Mets win one nothing. Jacob deGrom finally getting his one run of, of, of support. The Mets win. Think spirits were high. Things were still very weird so and high. unsettling, but my very goodness, unsettling. that night the whole full thing baseball, was unsettling. The yes. whole thing was unsettling, but my goodness, a full slate of baseball was undeniably extremely enjoyable. Of course, uh, punctuated by the Ioannis home run. Right, and like you know, there are moments during the pandemic where those of us who don't need to be, who are lucky, fortunate, and privileged enough not to be out and about, having to work. I've had moments of normalcy, whether it's watching a movie, you know, I've had moments where I've had like a picnic outside with people I love. And like, you forget that we're living in hell. And the Yoannis Homer was that in the moment, like when he hit that ball and it went out and he was back playing baseball, it, the joy that you and I felt I don't know how you reacted, but I'm sure you were happy. That was real, right? But the flip side of that is unlike watching a movie or having a picnic outside with someone you love, there are repercussions to that joy, right? There is a cost to that. And like, the, I felt so good when you went as homeward and in like the two hours laughter. And then I got in bed that night and I sat and I thought about it and I felt the same way I did before he homeward. Maybe a little happier for him. I felt happier for him, but I didn't feel any better about baseball being played this year. And I think, you know, this is something we talked at length about uh, with our ringer colleague, Michael Bauman, um, before the season, which was just like, you know, if the season gets off the ground and we get to watch baseball for however long, and obviously right now it's very tenuous about how much longer we're going to going to be able to watch it. But even just the first weekend, we those moments, you know, we mentioned before the season, when Ronald Acuna homers, it's going to be amazing. We're still going to love it. Same thing. We saw some incredible baseball things this weekend. And yes, the stands were empty. And yes, the crowd noise was exceptionally bizarre. And the virtual fans on the Vox broadcast was absolutely terrible. Like, there were so many bizarre elements of it. But the baseball that was happening was undeniably enjoyable. But like you said, it didn't take long for reality to set back in. Another thing that happened and kind of had a extremely bizarre cloud over these first three games of the season is something that we didn't even get to talk about on our last podcast. Oh, they changed the playoffs an hour after the season started? That doesn't seem like a normal thing to happen, but hey, 2020, right? Well, okay. So the playoffs being changed and, you know, the COVID things are very different in regard to seriousness and 
you know, safety, there are different phenomenons. I, I get that, you know, mm-hmm. that being said, like changing the postseason structure after the first game had started is a signifier that the season does not hold the same level of legitimacy as a normal season, right? It does not. You cannot do that if you are claiming that the season is legitimate, right? Now, I think that the players trying to play and trying to win games, whoever wins it, if there is a World Series, it will be an impressive accomplishment. I believe they should get the trophy and like those players deserve to be celebrated for their on-field achievements. But if you're just altering all of this and the playing field is so uneven and the like the like Craig said, the Marlins might have to play Travis Snyder. Were the Marlins going to win the World Series this year? Probably not, right? But like the fact that Imagine if instead of the Marlins, it's the Yankees and the Yankees are playing Travis Snyder, right? That's the thing. Yankees fans would not be like, oh, like, it's fine. Just keep press on. They'd be like, no, the season's illegitimate. Right. And that illegitimacy is manifested both in the way that the virus is impacting who gets to play when and where and is manifested in that MLB was willing to make such a drastic change in the hours before, after first pitch. Now, I will say, on face, I like the weird postseason structure in and of itself. Like, I think if this season is going to be weird, you should lean into it. It is just a signifier that MLB is recognizing that, right? And it's the timing of it was just so... mm. Yeah, that's the thing. And if it had happened a month before the season, I think we all would have had more time to be like, oh, maybe a good idea. Um, but yeah. realistically now, especially as the Marlin story develops, like I don't think it makes any sense to really <laughs> dive into it any further because we have far bigger roadblocks uh, ahead and how it's going to how the you know the playoffs are going to happen. It's, it feels stupid to even talk about it, but it felt worth mentioning because it is a thing that <laughs> happened since we last podcasted that is fairly significant. Um, we should also, I guess, mention some of the other baseball related things that did happen on the field, uh, over the last weekend, because this is a baseball podcast. And I think a lot of us, anyone listening was watching a lot of baseball this weekend. Um, what were some of the other experiences you had watching the games as, as the, I know you were moving too, so you were not as, as tuned in yes. uh, to the stuff yesterday. Um, but what were some other things that stood out to you about watching, uh, pandemic baseball? either moments mm. or just like the experience of, of watching on TV, things that felt the same, things that felt completely different. There were moments that felt the same. There was a hit, I think Trent Grisham on the Padres had a hit left on left, just like a very normal hit against Madison Bumgarner. It was like a fastball, 3-2 count. It was like low and inside and he got his hands inside and he ripped it to right field. A guy who is, I think, still technically a rookie facing one of the most weathered and experienced pitchers in the game, just showing that, you know, he could turn an inside fastball in a tough spot. And like, for me, when he did that, that physical moment, I wasn't thinking about the pandemic, right? I was like, that was impressive. That was cool. I believe in him ever more slightly and the Padres ever more slightly watching that moment, right? There were little things like that where thinking about players who I think are good or who I think are bad, like that was all real to me. What about you? What, what were your some of your favorite kind of epiphanies of those three weird days? Yeah, definitely. And I, I do want to get to uh, how we feel about the two big rule changes, the DH and the extra innings. We're going to get to that in a second. But I'm totally with you because um, 
we got to see Luis Robert hit his first major league home run. Like that, that was something that, you know, we were definitely going to get at some point. And it was, that was, that was every bit as cool. Hearing the Jason Benetti call on that was absolutely delightful. Um, you know, we saw some of the younger pitch, like Shane Bieber looked absolutely amazing. Luis Castillo looked amazing. Like some of these players that we were so excited to have back, like they came back and they were every bit as we expected. At the same time, we also were robbed of some of the, uh, the, things that we were looking forward to because as something that we were all worried about coming into the season was the pitchers. Are the pitchers going to be ready? Are the pitchers going to be ready? Now this manifested in two ways. Yes. Some pitchers showed up on and were just terrible and it put teams in a tough spot. And we had a situation like the Mets on Sunday night baseball where poor Corey Oswald and Paul Seawald had to come in and just get absolutely crushed. So we saw some of that, and that, that's the sloppy baseball that was going to be part of this. But then the more concerning things is the injuries. Strasburg scratched before his start. Kershaw scratched before his start on opening day. Already concerning. And then yesterday, Corey Kluber, new Texas Ranger, pulled after an inning. And Justin Verlander, we get the news after he did make his start on Friday, is going to be out at least a few weeks with a forearm strain, which is very much code for elbow right. trouble, which is very much code for longer than two weeks. And those four names, if you're talking pitchers over 30, right, who have had success, I believe all of them have won Cy Young's except for Strasburg, who has a World Series MVP. These are as good as it gets. All of them going down, right? That's crazy. And that's just in three days, right? And that's just a sign that shoulders and baseball arms don't ramp up and down like this, right? They're not supposed to. And there, I'm going to add a third thing in regards to the pitching, right? And that was manifested in the Orioles-Red Sox series, which I watched a lot of, which was that the Red Sox, who lost, not lost, but who haven't had Eduardo Rodriguez over the last couple of weeks because he has had complications, like very scary, real medical complications to his heart from COVID-19, which is a reminder to everybody that this is not the fucking flu. He didn't play. That bumps up starters for the Red Sox, who probably would never have been pitching. Martin Perez, who was going to be their their five starter, was their two starter, and he got crushed by my Orioles. And then Ryan Weber, who wasn't on the team like, what, three weeks ago, I believe, right? Yeah. And and he got crushed too. And the Red Sox lost two baseball games. Because they didn't have the arms. Right. And it's it's the dominoes, right? It's just, and that is, unfortunately, if we are able to proceed with this season, and if we can control outbreaks, and it is just a matter of, oh, we randomly lost the player to COVID um, for a couple weeks, like, this is, you can't, like we said when we talked last week, it's completely unpredictable. You can't decide. You, you have no idea who it's going to be. And so that is, is, was the other part of it is just like, this is not real baseball. Uh, this is not normal baseball. And by the way, like you said, you're so right. Like those four pitchers going down in the span of three days would be ig- just gigantic huge. news. And it is a blip. It was just like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, of course, they're, they're not ready. Like it, it's a huge news. Um, we move past it. All right. I think we have to also finally, uh, because we don't want to go too long here, because obviously all of these stories are, are developing. And we want to make sure you guys hear this podcast so, uh, for the cancel season. Subject, subject to change. Subject to change. Uh, we should also mention the other new element of the season, which was that we had a, we've talked about it coming into the season, the DH and the extra innings rule. And I gotta say, 
I was pro DH coming into the year, anti extra innings rule uh, coming into the year. I'm now even farther in in agreement of both of those points in both in you know in both directions. I cannot believe that people were craving pitchers hitting this week. There's no that. way. There is absolutely no chance that National League fans were seeing their lineups over the weekend and being like, damn, oh, this sucks. Like, what about that one time Jacob deGrom hit a home run? Like, no way. Mm. Obviously, what about that the one Mets time Ioannis were- hit a home run? Exactly. Like, just to have better hitters. It was just such cleaner baseball. There was It was not the point where, like, I'm used to watching a National League game and, oh, the eight hitters up, and I'm like, well, inning's going to be over. Like, it was just so much better, and I, I just, I really do not think it is going to take people long for people to get on board for this. Totally agree with you. But on the flip side, the amount that I thought I was going to hate the second runner on second rule and extras, I hated it more than I even ever could have imagined. There were, I believe, five games that had it. I think so. Around there. The first mm-hmm. one being Angels A's on opening day. And that game was decided because of that rule. Um, less so actually because that runner actually got, you know, thrown out during that game, that runner being Shohei Otani, which is, you know, funny that he was the first guy, but it, it just didn't feel right, man. Oh my God. I don't know how to say it other than like, it just didn't feel like real baseball. Yeah. And we saw it, it, it caught that game. The angels didn't score. And then the A's walk it off of the grand slam Sunday. We see the blue Jays did score, but then they still ended up losing. Like, yes, I guess it is more entertaining and it is, it is more chaotic, but like, my goodness, like we're already at chaos. Like that's why, like, I just think we could have stomached ties this year. I really, really, really do. I really think, I know that pitching was already like low, like maybe you still make them play to 12 innings, but I don't know. I just think that if if now, if you ask players, they would rather uh, just, just play with ties, but that was really unsettling. But also, I mean, my goodness, the DH is just so much better. I I will say too, I think it is a situation where when we have the universal DH in the next year or two, in 10 years, the teenagers who are watching baseball are going to be like, wait, pitchers hit? Pitchers hit? Why? They, there's no, why? They're pitchers. Why would you let them hit? Like, I think it is, we're going to look back and be like, that was the dumbest thing we ever let happen for 30 years or whatever. Also, there will be moments, in the same way that we talk about position players pitching, there will be moments in the future of baseball where hit, pitchers have to hit for various reasons, and it will be even more enjoyable in those moments. Jordan. Is there anything else that we have to mention before we hop off? Again, the situation with the Marlins and with the league as a whole, it's all developing like by the minute. It's just a wild. We don't know what the hell is going to happen. Any other things from the opening weekend that we want to talk about? I mean, I just want to briefly say Baltimore Orioles, two and one atop the division. They looked great. The arms looked great. The bats looked great. Jose Iglesias hitting third was absurd. And he had four hits against the Red Sox on Sunday. The O's winning those games against the Red Sox, like, again, the idea of any kind of optimism in any sphere of life was just a very welcome sight for those five hours I spent watching the Orioles, even if it could and should all end very soon. And I'll I'll quote uh, uh, Sam Miller of ESPN, who I don't know exactly how he phrased it, but just like, there is no better feeling than the first win of the season for your team. Like, it is just... The most delightful thing. 
my beloved Mariners finally won, broke a 15-game losing streak against the Astros. I never thought they would ever beat them again. So seeing that was certainly delightful. And they almost lost they it, almost too. They almost threw it, they, they, threw it they, away. They, they did their best uh, to, to blow it. So that was certainly enjoyable. And then, yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was weird that every team won and every team lost at least once. We have no undefeated team. It took one weekend. I saw a stat that is the first time since 1953 that no team has has started 3-0 or 0-3. So that's just an amazing thing to suddenly happen in this season. 1972 Dolphins, baby. Pop that cork. No undefeated teams (laughs) this year. Um, and, and yeah, so that was, that was kind of nice to see all the bad teams win a game. The Dodgers splitting with the giants was ridiculous. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say too, is just, um, right. The crowd noise was weird for the TV, whatever. I will say if there's one thing about the crazy empty stadiums pandemic that I enjoyed, and I know we got a little bit in summer camp, the players sitting in the stands is truly delightful. I know they're not sitting behind home plate like they were during the Intersquad games, but the video of Max Scherzer in the, just in like section 108 doing the seventh inning stretch yesterday was, I just, I thought that was great. Like in shorts, like he wasn't in uniform, like he just looked like any other dude. Like I very much uh, enjoyed that. But again, I'm also very pro cardboard cutout. I, I think the cardboard cutouts are very fun. I like them. We had talked about, I should mention, I had tweeted like, Send us your cardboard cutout ideas and we'll read the funniest ones on the show. And then we were going to do that. And then this shit with the Marlins happened. And so we're not going to do it right now because we might never see it in a stadium. So we're going to hold off. We'll do it next week. Jordan, I got nothing else to say to you. I have nothing else to say about baseball. That's not true. I have a million other things to say. But any other... That's it. All right. Bye. I think, See ya. I, I think, I think that's it. Uh, thank you to Craig Mish uh, for joining us and updating us on this Marlins situation. Obviously... We hope to do two podcasts a week during this season. Hopefully, we will talk to you later this week. We will see how the story develops. Thank you to our producer, Bobby Wagner. Uh, His favorite baseball team lost uh, 50% of their games this season due to Edwin Diaz not being able to nail it down. But they do have UNS, so that's good. Thank you to Bobby Wagner. Thank you to Bobby Wagner, and thank you to all of you uh, for supporting us and listening. Stay safe. Please wear a mask. Please be smart. And... uh, We'll talk to you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody.